Like, that, it's like, it's the worst. I, I, I say this at, at our school all the time. I say, look, if you're a mean Christian, just tell them you're not a Christian. Just tell them you're another religion. It's the worst testimony. It doesn't matter how much Bible you know. It doesn't even matter, honestly, in my opinion, how much signs and wonders you walk in. If you are not a gentle, loving, merciful, forgiving person, all you are is gifted, but you're not necessarily tender. And you can't be tender without intimacy. This is a scary thing. You can be gifted in the Lord, have a powerful, I meet people like this all the time, have a powerful, powerful dynamic ministry, but be off in your walk with the Lord. And I'll tell you, I, you know, I love the miracles, I love the power, but I'm not as impressed by that stuff as I am by people that are nice. In today's world, it's like, yeah. it's like the most powerful thing you can be is nice. In, in today's society, the most powerful thing you can be is forgiving, forgiving your enemies and being merciful to people. And I think sometimes we, we, we get out of balance a little, we're all about the gifts of the Spirit, but, but in Matthew 7, Jesus sends people to hell that have the gifts of the Spirit. That's a sobering thing. If you know what I'm talking about, there's a, a, a group of people that come before the Lord and, the, and they, they have incredible accolades and incredible public ministries and walk in power and signs and wonders. And the Lord responds to them and he says, I, we have, you're gifted, you're, you're incredibly powerful, but we don't have relationship. And this is what God is after. He's not just after our ministries or our giftings. God is actually after our hearts. God right. cares about your heart. Man. That's an amazing thing. And I'll tell you this, especially for those of you that are gifted or have any form of public ministry, that's a, that's a fine line to walk in. And it's so easy to believe that we're right with God because we're gifted. Or to believe that we're right with God because we have a lot of Bible knowledge. I need people that don't believe in Jesus at all that know the Bible better than most Christians I know. I have casted demons out of people that have quoted more scripture to me than Christians I know. You ever gotten into a Bible debate with a demon? I mean, and, and they're like, I was like, man, you're pretty good at this. And, and, and that's important. We'll get into, I'm going to get into the importance of the Bible, but guys, I'm telling you, let's not hide behind gifting, anointing, personality, or ministry. Right. It's really all about the heart. That's right. And God actually cares about the heart. He cares how we treat people. God cares how we speak to our spouses. God cares about how we talk about people when they're not around. The Lord really, 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 really cares about this stuff. And in my opinion, when we stand before the Lord in the day of judgment, he's going to ask you more about how you treated people than how you prayed uh, than, than in your public ministry. Amen? Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 4. We're going to go through a lot of verses. Is that okay? Yeah. That should be exciting. The Bible is awesome. Jeremiah chapter 4. So I said, it is our responsibility, it is your responsibility to partner with the Holy Spirit to make sure that your heart remains tender. Okay, I want to say this again. It's not Dave's responsibility to take care of your heart. Say that again. It's not Dave's. <laughs> That's a good one, right? Yeah. Guys, this is so important. We live in this culture of this codependency where when things aren't going wrong, where we're dealing with some, we, 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 we want to blame everyone else for everything going on around us. And I'm going to tell you something. When you are saved and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, no circumstance or human being should have permission or the ability to harden your heart. That's right. Come on. I'm telling you, it is absolutely possible to have all hell turn up in your life and everybody turn against you, but live with a tender heart before the Lord and not become a bitter, grumpy little person. It's because if that's not true, and then this, none of this stuff is true. I mean, this is the power of having the Holy Spirit inside of us. He's not less Holy Spirit when life isn't going well. Amen. Right? God's power, God's goodness, or biblical truth doesn't change based upon circumstance. And I'm telling you, and, and I'm going to end the message by giving you five keys, but if we would apply these lives, we can live in such a way where no matter who's saying what or what's going on, we can live with a tender heart. That's what I want. Anybody else want yeah. that? I'm telling you, more than a powerful public ministry, more than, more than an anointing to heal the sick, I want to be a tender person. Because I'm telling you, anointing alone will help you last for 30 years. Amen. True. You guys know what I'm talking True. about? Yeah. Gifting alone is not going to help you last for 30 years. It's being the kind of person that doesn't get offended easily. 
Because I'm telling you, if you're a Christian for longer than five minutes, you're going you're to meet someone that's going to offend you. Anybody been to church? That's just, just, that's just reality. That's life. We don't have to let that stuff affect us. Let's go to, uh, we're going to look at Jeremiah 4. Um, but again, it's your responsibility, and we're not going to read this portion of Scripture. We're going to read Jeremiah 4. But I want to bring to mind real quick what Jesus considers his most important teaching. And this isn't my opinion. Jesus said this is the most important teaching. If you don't get this, you won't get anything else. And it's the parable of the sower. This is a powerful parable. We're not going to get into it. We're going to look at it from a different perspective here. But it's all about the condition of the heart. That's what the whole parable is. And Jesus essentially hears what he's saying. Listen, if you don't have a tender heart, then anything I say or do, that stuff's just, it's, it's, not, going to, uh, it's not going to take root and it's not going to bear much fruit. Yeah. Do you hear what I'm saying? Listen, yeah. You could, listen, you could sit under the best teaching in the world and be a part of one of the most thriving churches in the world. And, and listen, we are blessed. I think Dave, Dave is one of my favorite Bible teachers in the world. And we can sit under it. But if we don't take care of our hearts, if we don't, not Dave, not your spouse, not your friend. If you yourself don't partner with the Lord to take care of your heart, even if Jesus himself were the one teaching you, it's not going to take root, right. and nothing's going to happen. That's right. And we see this happen in the Gospels. We see it happen in the life of Judas, and we see it happen in the life of Peter. But let's look at Jeremiah 4. I remember reading this when I was a teenager, which was only 15 years ago. Or, I don't know, something like 12 or 13. Long enough. But I remember reading this, and I got so marked by this Bible verse when I was a teenager. And let me encourage you guys, man. Don't, let, don't go to the Bible like it's a duty. Let the Bible come alive to you, man. I... I for most of my walk with the Lord, it's just little verses, little moments in the Bible that have just been like fresh fuel in my heart to keep me burning. But Jeremiah chapter 4, look what the Lord says. For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem. He says, and it, he's, 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 again, he's, he's using the, the, the concept of land, but he's talking about our hearts. He says, break up your fallow ground. He's talking about the heart. He's talking about when things begin to corrupt the, the fertility of our hearts. And look at who the Lord's placing the responsibility on. It's not on your wife. It's not on your pastor. It's not on your friend. The Lord is saying, listen, it's your responsibility only to steward your heart. Now, I'm not saying that we can't help each other and we can't encourage, but you know, I meet people all the time that you give them wisdom and encouragement but they, they choose to do the opposite. You know, it's only up to you to take it. So the Lord's putting the responsibility. And he's saying, listen, break up the fallow ground. Break up everything in your heart. All the, the hurt, the bitterness, the frustration, the, 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 the disillusionment, whatever it is. Whatever is causing your heart to no longer be fertile. Or, and I think this is one of the most dangerous ones, but we become apathetic in, in our pursuit of the Lord. And it's just, we're just like, oh, whatever. Or, or, or we become familiar with the Lord. And we just we just become like routine Christians. And we're just, just the same thing. And, and we lose the wonder. And we lose the awe of what we have. And, and, it just be, and our hearts become dull. And God's inviting us. And he's saying, listen, break up the foul ground. Everything, all the thorns, everything that's hindering your heart from living to the fullness of life. And he says, and don't sow among the thorns. Now listen, don't, don't think that if, you're, if, if your heart's being choked up by things, that when seed is sown, it's going to do much fruit, it's going to do much good. And this is what he says. He says, circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Again, I, I really wanted to highlight this. God is placing the full responsibility of keeping our hearts on us. Not on him. He's literally saying, listen, this isn't, the Lord gives us everything we need, Paul says, right, to live godly. He gives us all the resources of heaven. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Bible. We have community. God says, I'm going to give you everything you need, but you have, you're the one that has to apply it and actually do something. That's right. That's right. This is so important. And let me just say this, because I'm just, let's just keep it real. I think this is one of the things that I've noticed in the Lord. These guys, I'm going to tell you something. If we want to be vibrant in the Lord, we can't be lazy with God. Amen. Yeah. 
It's just, it's absolutely impossible. He, every single biblical analogy about tending the heart is connected to breaking up ground in gardening. Yeah, and, and so recently, when we were in Israel, we were planting trees, and it was the worst ground ever. It was rocky ground. I didn't realize this. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like typical, like, Israeli settlement. He said, yeah, we're just going to dig, like, in like 20 minutes. So everybody, you, can, you remember this, right? And we show up, and it's like rocks. Like, where are we digging? And they, like, hand us, like, axes, and we're just, everybody's in, like, nice clothes, like, just hammering. But I, but, and, and it stunk and had blisters, and it was whatever. But I, I don't know a better analogy of what, honestly, what the human heart is like sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Guys, let's just be honest. Not, not every time. I'm not trying to speak that, but let's just, life happens. Sometimes my heart doesn't feel like a nice little, like, you know, I'm not planting, what's like the name of a plant you like? What is that plant? Yeah, a jade plant. I don't know the name of the plant. I only know one, and the Lord saved me. But, <laughs> just keep it real. But like, but like, life, most of, guys, most of the time, life isn't like digging a little hole and putting a little pot in the ground. It's like taking out a pickaxe and going to war against a rock, and there's this inner determination of, I'm going to make my heart so uh, uh, fertile. Amen. I mean, it's literally, it, it, and I love it, I see these guys, and they're determined to make a desert land a place where fruit trees can grow. And it's convicting. I want the sort of heart that it doesn't matter if there's areas of my heart that are absolutely hard. I'm not going to relent until I can plant fruit trees or whatever kind of tree, Jade or the other ones. You go like this. You go like this plant. Eucalyptus or, or evergreen trees. Tree, right? Olive trees. Fig, there we go. I always say, I don't know the name of Christmas trees. They're the best ones. There's gifts on them. So listen to this. Again, the responsibility is on you. Uh, circumcise yourself to the Lord. Take away the foreskins of your heart. That's powerful. And there's a lot you can go with that, but you know what the Lord is saying? He says, take away everything that hinders covenant relationship with me. Yeah. We're going to look at this here more in a second, but he's saying, listen, and, and, and we'll just go into this now. The Lord is inviting us, and he's actually calling us to go to war against everything that hinders love. This is a, such a powerful thing, man. God is saying everything in your life that's not going to energize or strengthen covenant relationship with me, completely cut it out. And this, is, this takes a lot of introspection. And so, like, for example, this weekend, you know, I did a Q&A and somebody asked me my opinion on something. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but they asked me my opinion. And this is, the, I give the same answer. I said, if the Bible calls it sin, it's sin and that's it. It's over. But this was about something else that's not, that the Bible doesn't necessarily call sin. And I said, well, here's where it is. Here's how you have to handle everything in your life. Right? And Paul says all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. And so how do you handle it? And it's this. If it hinders your tenderness to the Lord, if it hinders your sensibility to the Holy Spirit, if it hinders your worship, cut it off. It's foreskin. It's everything that's hindering covenant relationship. That's the best way to have people ask me, what do you think about secular music? I say this, does the song encourage you to seek the Lord or discourage you? If it's not encouraging, you cut it off. You don't need it. It's a waste. Amen. I mean, it's so much bigger than is it. I, I want to live beyond, well, it's not sin. Yeah, but it's not producing good fruit. I'm still, I, I, I'm still right with the Lord. But it's hindering me from going even deeper. That's right. It's That's hindering right. me from being more sensitive. It's hindering me from wanting to get up in the morning and pray. Or there's things that maybe hinder you from, from being somebody that forgives easily. And I'm, I'm encouraging us as a body, as a community. Take inventory of your life. And if there's things that are hindrances to your walk, whether the Bible calls them sin or not, cut them out. Because I want to do everything I can to walk in covenant relationship with the Lord. Amen? Yeah, amen? So he says, so circumcise yourself to the Lord, take away the foreskins of your heart, you men of Judah and half of Jerusalem. Um, and he says, uh, lest my fury come forth like fire and burn so that no one can quench because of your resilience. Well, that's pretty intense. So take care of your heart, guys. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5. So here's what I want to talk about is why the heart? Why care? Anyways. Why not just go through the motions, 
and just come and show up on Sunday, give my money, and go home. And, and why, why go after the heart? Why work hard? And let me tell you, it takes a lot of work to, to get your heart soft, and it takes a lot of work to keep it soft. Amen? Amen? Yeah. Just like a marriage, man, it takes a lot of work, but it's good work. Look at this, Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. This is one of the key verses of my life. I got marked by this verse when I was a, 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 a junior in college. Absolutely marked by the Lord. Blessed are the pure in heart. Amen. Now that's different than blessed are the ones with good intentions. That's a difference. That's right. It's different than blessed are the ones with good motives. Actually, I think it's impossible to have a pure heart without motives. But it's, 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 it's bigger than just blessed are those that are good morals or blessed, no, blessed are the pure in heart because they shall see God. So there's a few things here. Number one, Jesus is saying the way you see God is through the heart. This is so important. You can have, and I've been there in my life, a whole bunch of Bible knowledge and, and know a bunch of theology and all this stuff. But be blind in your heart to see God because of unforgiveness or something else. Right. <clears throat> right? You can have incredible history and incredible stories and have a great ministry. But because you're bitter or because you're, 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 you're offended in your heart or because you've become dull in your pursuit of the Lord, you actually lose your ability to see God. Amen. And again, I, I want to highlight this. I'm not just talking about... How we, how we are with people, forgiveness. I'm also talking about the dullness of the heart. When we allow our, when we allow our hearts to become dull, we become passive in our pursuit of the Lord. Guys, this fiery, radical, wholehearted pursuit of Jesus doesn't stop. You don't graduate from fasting and prayer. You don't graduate from holiness. You don't graduate from right. hunger. You don't graduate from hours staying before the Lord. And I want to fight from my heart. Why? Because it's from there that I see God. Now, I love this verse because purity, most of the time is we, we, we have that, that the, the, the word purity misunderstood. And so what we oftentimes think is of is purity is actually innocence. There's a difference between being innocent. My niece, Hannah, is innocent. She's a baby. She has no experience. She's, you know, she's Never heard a curse word or whatever. She's innocent. Jesus isn't saying the innocent shall see God. He's saying the pure in heart shall see God. But what does it mean to be pure in heart? How, well, how do you make something pure? Yeah, refining, right? Where he's in the culture. How? Fire. Jesus is saying, blessed are those that have allowed my cleansing fire to touch their hearts. Amen. Right? Blessed are those that have no hidden area in their hearts for me. Blessed are those that let me come into their hearts, even the deepest, most painful places, and allow me to completely rearrange things. Blessed are those when you've lived a decade of unforgiveness towards your, your ex-husband or, or your parent or a loved one, when you've lived with unforgiveness, I come and I say, if you want to see forgive, Blessed are those that choose to forgive when they've been holding on for years. Amen. That's right. Because that's Matthew 5.8. Blessed are those that when you live for years as a gossiper, and you have no problem gossiping about people, and I challenged you, and I corrected you, and I came with fire, and I said, you can't, you, you can't be an intercessor and a gossiper at the same time. You repented from gossiping. Blessed are those that when you had no prayer life, and you were dull in your spirit, and you were weak in your pursuit of the Lord when I came and I began to wake you up an hour earlier. I began to stir your heart to fast once a week. You responded and now the eyes of your heart have been opened and now you can see clearly. This is what Jesus is talking about. This is all. This, and here's what's amazing. You don't have to be innocent. You just have to be purified. That's right. That's, he's, he's saying... It does. It, 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 this is this is everybody's included. It doesn't matter how much dross or how much crud or how much crap is on your heart. Say, if you are willing to sit through the fire, you'll be able to see. This is powerful. Everybody's included. And here's why this is important. I was teaching on this this weekend. You cannot worship what you don't see. You can't. You, you, you can't. You can try to. But, you, but what ends up happening is if you, what happens when we can't see God is we end up creating our own God that we can see. 
See, this is how we create idols, when we lose our sight of God, <clears throat> right? Because of whatever. Whether it's bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment, or it's dullness of spirit, I don't pray, I'm not fasting, I'm not in the Word. Whatever it is, we begin to lose our sight of God, but we, we were created to worship something, and so what begins to happen is we begin to create our own God in our own image, and we think we're worshiping the Lord, and then we get even farther disillusioned. Right. This is why this stuff is important. This is why tending a heart is important, because I don't want to worship someone else. Amen. Yeah. And can, can I just say something? Can I say, I, so I, and, I, and I'll make this beforehand. So, I, so my, my family, we're Republicans, because we're from Cuba, and that's just what happens when you come from Cuba. But you know something? You, you can't do Matthew 5, 8 and hate Democrats. Amen. Do you guys know that? Amen. You can't do that. You can't do Matthew 5, 8 and hate Hillary Clinton. It just, it doesn't work that way. Jesus doesn't work that way. Do you know that Jesus is praying for Hillary? Do you know that Jesus is praying for me? You know, for years when Barack, I just, I just want to say this, it's not, it's not even in my notes, but I want to say this. You know, when Barack Obama was president, we would have prayer meetings for him. Amen. All the time, and, and, and then my friends would want to bash him, and I'd say, you can't, you can't curse him and pray for him. you got to pick one or the other. Amen. And if you're a Democrat and you hate Republicans, you're a Republican and you hate Democrats, I'm telling you, you're not Matthew 5 8. You're disillusioned and you can't see God, because if you could see Jesus, you would know he doesn't operate that way. Amen? Amen. It's so important. There is no excuse to become hardened in your heart for anything, for any reason about anything. There's no excuse. Amen? So let's keep going. So now I'm back to my notes. So he's, here's what he's talking about. He's talking about inviting the fire of his love to purify our hearts so we can see clearly. This is what it means to have a tender heart. It doesn't mean that you're just some weak, docile little person that everybody steps on. That's and that's not the same, but let me tell you, to, to be a Christian doesn't mean you're a pushover either. This isn't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that you have a, a clean and pure heart and you're sensitive and you can hear and you can see and you're, you're quicker to forgive and you're quicker to be unforgiving. So how do we do that? How do we tend our hearts? I'm glad you asked. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5. You guys alive? Feeling good? Thank you. I can't lie, there's a few moments during this message I forgot where I was. <laughs> one time, one time I flew to England, and uh, for some reason they had me preach at 11 o'clock at night. And I just flew, and I was so jet-lagged. I remember halfway through I was preaching. I didn't, like, I didn't know who I was, where I was, what I was talking about. Like, I just like froze. They never had me back. Okay. <laughs> I, was, I was like, I think they thought I was on drugs. You know, it was just like this the whole time. But I just really wanted to go to sleep. Okay. But I'm not on track. Galatians chapter 4. So what we're talking about, again, is partnering with the Lord to keep our hearts tender to see the Lord. Right? And it's, again, it's a partnership thing. I'll, let me give you a few things. How do we, how do we invite the purifying fire of God? By, by, by making war against the things that hinder tenderness. So what is that? It's conversations that I have. Even conversations that you have in secret or in your own imagination can cause your heart to become hard. This is so important. What sort of conversations are you having about people or about things? Even your enemies. I can't stress this enough. Jesus does not give you permission to speak ill of your enemies. Now listen, I'm not saying you can't be honest with a friend if you're, if you're struggling or you're having a hard time, but don't stay there, be honest about it, and then pray for the person. But what sort of conversations are you having about people? What sort of conversations are you having, period? Are, are they perverted conversations or courtshesting? These kind of things harden our heart number two. Uh, what are you watching and what are you listening to? This is so huge, man. And, and I see this with like, like, with like false grace. I can just watch and listen to whatever. You can watch and listen to whatever. We'll see what your heart's like in 10 years. We'll see what your heart's like in 20 years. We'll see the condition of your life when you're feeding yourself uh, uh, sexual immorality or whatever it is. I, I, I was telling this to the young people this weekend. I don't want to listen to music that gives me permission to commit adultery. Amen. I just don't want to do it. And, and, and I, I, don't, I refuse as best as I can to not watch movies with sex scenes. I don't ever want 
to let anything in my heart that in a moment of weakness would give me permission to commit adultery. Or and, and not just physical adultery, but to give me permission to commit adultery in my imagination. Right? I don't want to listen to music that's going to be a soundtrack of rage and anger and unforgiveness. That's right. I was sharing this uh, uh, this this yesterday that you know when I was in um, when I was in school, I had a I had a desire to to, to kill people, legitimately kill people. And one of the things that was stirring me on was the music I was listening to. I mean, literally, there was a song by, by Marilyn Manson where the, the whole beginning of the song was, we hate love and we love hate. And I would sing this chorus out and the music was giving me permission to want to be a murderer. I mean, guys, the, the, the stuff that we feed ourselves is absolutely powerful. That's before you came to the Lord. That's before I came to the Lord. Yes. I don't want to kill people anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Clarify. Only animals. But for consumption, not for like pleasure. Just for total consumption. Anyways. Yes, thank you for clarifying. There, that's why he's the pastor and I'm not doing it. <laughs> but, but here's what I'm saying. I'll, I'll give you an example of when I was a believer. I remember I went through this season where I just started getting angry at everything. And I started getting angry at every politician and society. And I was walking around with this like inner rage. I was like, what the heck? And I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't shake it. I could not shake what I was feeling. And I was like, what is happening? And I was listening to one of John Lennon's later records where he's a really, really bitter, angry man. And I was spending so much time. I'm not telling you what to listen to or not to listen to. Here's what I'm saying. That what I was indulging in was producing bad fruit in my heart. And the moment I cut it off, I was free. There you go. So I'm not telling you who or what, but here's what I'm saying. Are you Listening and watching things that are producing good fruit or bad fruit? Are you listening to things that are giving you permission to walk with an impure heart? Mm. This is so important. Because again, mature Christians, it's beyond, well, it's not sin, yeah, but it's not good. Next thing is what do you think about? This is one of the this is one of the, the like the, the this is one of the tough ones. Well, we think that we, you know, as long as it stays in here, then good. We have we see a secret life going on in our minds, this, this secret world that we live in. But I'm telling you, God actually cares deeply about what you think about. Amen. And let me tell you this. One of the ways that I define worship when we teach on it is what you think about the most you worship. What dominates your thought life is what you worship. If you are dominated by fear... Or, or, or social status, or money, or wealth. Friends, I'm telling you, money, wealth, social status is what you worship. Or, 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 or you're having imaginatory affairs with other people. Friends, the Lord cares about that stuff, and those thoughts have power over your heart. And if they have power over your heart, they have power over your ability to see God clearly. Right. And if you can't see God clearly, right. then you can't worship. Amen. This is so important. What are you thinking about? What's going on in your imagination? And I, I love this. I have my, my Christian friends are always about Jesus freed us from the law. I don't have to live by the law. Jesus made it harder. And he gave more commandments than Moses did. Over 300 more commandments than Moses did. Under the, I'd rather live under the Torah. Under the Torah, you just don't have to do the thing. Under the Torah, I didn't do anything. Jesus is like, no, no, you did. Because you thought about it. Because I care about your heart. Because I'm not coming to live right. in your, I'm not living in your deeds. I live in your heart. And I'm not going to share space with lust and adultery and murder or, or whatever it is God cares about these things. Amen. And he sets the standard even higher. He says, if you thought it, you did. That's the New Testament. That's our precious little lamb, Jesus. He made life a lot easier for us. He said, if you thought it, you did it. Because your thought life is as real as doing it. Right. Do you guys hear what I'm saying yeah. this morning? Yeah. And, and here's, here's the fear. This isn't about condemnation. This is God saying, I can free you from it. Do you hear what I'm saying? You don't have to think poopy thoughts. You don't have to. You don't have to lust after the opposite sex. You don't have to be addicted to pornography. You don't have to be bitter. The Lord can set you free. This is the promise, right? But again, it's partnership. You have to want to be free. That's right. I have tried casting demons out of people that did not want to be free. And you know what happens when they don't want to be free? They don't get delivered. Amen. It's just that simple. Amen. 
so, so many times, the reason we don't get free from things is because we really, if we're honest, we don't want to be free. Huh. We don't want, I mean, we don't want to be pure. We like, we like what's going on here. It's my secret little fantasies in my head. And friends, I'm telling you, Jesus absolutely cares about what you think. Come on. Going on through your emotions. Right. Jesus, Jesus, listen, let me tell you something. And faith isn't fake it till you make it. Do you hear what I'm saying? Let me, let me tell you this quick story, and then I want to give you a few keys. And then I want to look at the election. My, my brother, who I, who I loved dearly, uh, was, was bad into drugs. And he stole, like, I had $600 in cash, and he stole it. And then he took my debit card. I didn't know he took it, but he took my debit card, and he completely wiped it out. And so I, I, all I knew was my debit card was lost, and somebody used up all my money. And so I'm trying to track it, and it was used at a gas station by my house, and and the police come and they play the video to see who did it, and it was my brother. You know how embarrassing that is. And I'm like, this rage begins to come on me. And I'm ticked. And I, I call my dad, I was like, I'm sending him to jail. And my dad's like, please don't send your brother to jail, please. So I, I choose not to send him to jail. And, 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 and I said, okay, you know, Jonathan, I forgive you. I said, I, I, not in Memphis yet. I said, I forgive you. And I can go to jail. Two days later, I was doing laundry. I'll never forget this. And the Lord just speaks to me. And he says, Jose, you didn't forgive your brother. I was like, what the heck do you mean I didn't forgive my brother? That's how I talked to the Lord. So what do you mean I didn't forgive my brother? I didn't send him to jail. I told him he's forgiven. He says, you didn't forgive your brother. I was like, why? He says, because when you see him in your mind, he's a thief. When I, when I forgive you and I see you, I don't see a thief anymore. Oh, that's what he told me. And he says, Jose, see, you forgive him when you can trust him around your money Oh, Lord, he's a thief. So you never know. <laughs> and I never told him this. I never once, ever once called my brother a thief. I never once told him, you're a thief. Never. But I thought it all the time. All the time. What's going on in my mind? I didn't trust him. And the Lord just said, it's not just, right? It's, Jesus doesn't say, he who the Son is free is free from deeds. He's free indeed. And he says, he says, no, no, no. You didn't forgive him because you still view him as a thief. You have to restore him back to longer as though he never stole a dime from you. So I forgave him. So I told him. You know what was powerful? He said when he, he went to jail after that. Not because of me. Because of something else. And my brother was going to hang himself in prison. It was a true story. He was going to hang himself. And before he did, he had a thought. And he says, you know, if my brother could forgive me, I'll call him before I hang myself. And he still loved him. And there was something powerful because God said, I'm just not going to let you do it superficially. I'm not just going to let you do it verbally. I'm not, it's, it's, it's beyond the superficial. God actually wants it to be something real that happens inside of us. And so what is it? We have to choose to do what? To walk in the Spirit and not in the world. And to walk in the Spirit doesn't mean you just walk around like this all day giving <laughs> prophetic words. To walk in the Spirit is when the Spirit speaks, you move. To walk in the Spirit means... When God says, turn the other cheek, and you don't want to, you do it. To walk, so we, we, we've just made it this mystical thing. But guys, to walk in the Spirit is when God says to give, you give. It's, you live in this total sensitivity and surrender. It's all. It's when God has total permission to say, you didn't forgive your brother, you lied. Let's look at a verse real quick, and I want to give you five keys. Is that cool? Yep. Galatians chapter 5. Verse 16. It's one of the most powerful pieces of scripture in the whole Bible that I go to for over a decade. I pray this thing out, man. Verse 16. I say then, walk in the spirit. And let me just put pause. You can put parentheses, walk in the spirit is the same as a tender heart. It's all of it. So what does it mean to walk in the spirit again? It's not you're not just walking around like I'm in, in glory rainbow. It's your walking. With such a tender, sensitive heart, you can hear the faintest. That's what Pastor David preached. It's to walk in such a way that you can hear the faintest whisper of the Holy Spirit, and your heart is inclined to move. I don't want to just hear God. I want to obey God. Come on. Come I don't on. want to just be good at giving words of knowledge. I want God. I want God. I want to. I want to. When He tells me to do things, and I honestly, a lot of times the Lord tells me to do things I don't want to do. Can we just be honest? Forgiving your enemies is not fun. Right? Doing good to those that curse you, that's not fun. I'm not like, woo! 
I'm like, oh, you're lucky I didn't write the book. And I'm like, come on. No, I don't do But, yeah, I want to be sensitive. I want to hear every, every little whisper, even if it's the stuff I don't like. See, that's the real thing. You can give the good prophetic words, but can you hear the stuff you don't like? The stuff that's uncomfortable. So I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, or the flesh creates an untender or a hardened heart. Right. The flesh will hinder your ability to be sensitive to God. Right? So for the flesh lusts against the spirit, or wars against the spirit, and the spirit is at war with the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Here's what he's saying. He's saying this. You can't say you walk by the spirit and not forgive It's impossible. You can't say you walk in the spirit and not be generous. Because God didn't give you the stingy Holy Spirit, He gave you the Holy Spirit generously. Right? You can't say you walk in the spirit or you walk in a tender heart if you're walking around living in the past or you're you're walking in adultery. Guys, he's saying you can't you can't do both. You can't pray for the president and curse him at the same time. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. The, the, the kingdom, you can, we can harden our hearts, blind our eyes, and live in this disillusion or this, this illusion of the world and think we can, but when the rubber meets the road, you're going to find out it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. Mm, yes. God actually cares about these things. Alright, so here's what I want to do. I want to give you very five very practical keys to keeping a tender heart. You guys ready? Yeah. Number one, this is the most powerful thing you'll ever do in your life. Prayer. Prayer. Guys, I'm telling you, we cannot over-emphasize uh, uh, the importance of, and the power of prayer. And it's just like this. I heard, I heard the Wangle say this one time. It's so powerful. He says, just like you can't live without breathing, you can't live without prayer. This is why Paul actually commands us to pray without ceasing. It isn't just because you're a good Christian. I mean, literally, he's saying, listen, this is how essential a prayer life is. Don't stop praying just like you shouldn't stop breathing. And what does it mean to pray without ceasing? That doesn't mean that you're just walking around asking God for things all day. And I'm going to tell you something. If all you do is ask God for things, you're way out of balance in the places. That's right. That's right. Lester Sumrall, a great preacher, walked in incredible signs and wonders and power. He said, you know, I began to see more fruit in my ministry, more, I began to see more prayers answered, more fruit in my ministry when I stopped only praying for myself and began to pray for others more. Come on. I mean, it's just powerful. One of the things we teach at Heart of David that's so powerful. If you need a financial breakthrough, you're believing God for something, pray for someone else with that same need with as much fervor as you would for yourself. Amen. Because what's going to happen? You're going to have a tender heart. Right. Right? We can be selfish in our prayer life. Because, but, but, but I do want to say, prayer is powerful. You will not have a thriving walk with the Lord if you don't pray. And so there's two things here. And then we're going to look at some different forms of prayer. Number one, it's absolutely imperative that you schedule time to pray. That's focused, concentrated time to pray. Because here's why. If you don't schedule it, you won't do it. Period. So it's important to have a scheduled daily this is what I said, daily time of prayer. So important. It will bring so much life and energy to your heart. So do it. Just take, and, and, and if you've never done this before, start at 15 minutes a day. It's better to be consistent with little than inconsistent with much. So start at 15 minutes and do 15 minutes every day. And then the next week, do 30 minutes every day. And then the next week, do an hour. And then you're going to find yourself where you're not going to want to stop praying. You go into this rhythm of life with God. But it's so imperative, schedule time every day to pray. And I'm telling you, that thing's going to keep your heart tender and alive. Because here's, after this happens all the time, I'll, I'll do something and I'll just try to ignore it, and then I'll go before the Lord to pray. And the Lord's like, uh-uh-uh. I'm like, Lord, I need breakthrough. He's like, no, no, no. You need to forgive. You need to confess your sin. And God is so amazing because when you show up, He's right. Well, the Lord's there and He's, and he's ready to talk to us. So schedule time to pray and it's important that you pray throughout the day. So let's look at this here real quick. Just a few different kinds of prayer. The first one is devotional or contemplative prayer. And this is just time 
Well, you're just reflecting and meditating on who the Lord is. This is powerful. And I, I, I mix and match. Some days I do all of our session. One day it might be devotional. But it's actually time where you're literally just telling God who he is. Yeah. So, man, I'm telling you, when I am struggling and I'm weak or whatever, my heart comes most alive when I just sit on the couch in, in, in the great room of our house. And I just, for an hour, tell God who he is. It's just, it does something to my heart. It exhilarates me. It, it causes all this faith and hope to rise inside. Where For an hour, I'm just focused on the greatness and the majesty and the beauty and the wisdom of God. Take an hour and just tell the Lord, Lord, this is who you are. You're so faithful. You're so patient. Thank God you're not like us. Amen. So I tell the Lord that all the time. The second is intercession. Intercession is absolutely powerful, and every single believer is called to be an intercessor. And the reason is because Jesus is an intercessor. Yeah. And because the, Lord's, the Lord is inviting us to not only worry and care about ourselves, we have a call to worry and care about the needs of the people in the church or in the community or in the world. And so he calls us. So what does it mean to be an intercessor? It literally means to stand in the gap between two different yeah. parties. And so the Lord says it's absolutely important. And again, being an intercessor, listen, when, I, when there's people I don't like or that run me the wrong way, I do two things. I pray for them and I give them money. And there's one guy, I didn't like him for a long time, but I kept giving him money. And then I was like, I better get over it. I better start liking this guy because I'm going to run out of money. But, but it does something when you begin to pray and you don't just intercede for them. Don't just intercede for Donald Trump, intercede for everyone else. Intercession is so powerful and so important. And remember this, when you were an enemy of God, Jesus was your intercessor. That's right. It's so important. The third one is praying the Bible. This is amazing. I will have times of prayer where I literally open up my Bible. I did this in the book of Galatians on the train the other day. From verse 1 to my train stop, I just prayed. Pray read verse by verse. I read it and pray it. Read it and pray it. Read it and pray it. And, and it, be, it began to just bring fuel and fire and unlock things in the Bible and in my heart that I didn't know were there. It's so amazing. Spend time doing that. The last one, and I think, man, this is so key, is praying in tongues. If you have the gift of tongues, I encourage you to pray in tongues all day long. I try my best to pray in tongues from when I wake up to when I go to bed. All day, pray in tongues. And, and, and if I'm feeling distracted or I need to, I will sing in tongues, pray in tongues, shout in tongues. But it doesn't. I did this at the airport. There's, you're in L.A. and there's a million people. Half of them aren't even dressed. And there's all this stuff and BMWs. And, but I'm Shaka. It doesn't matter what's happening. Remember, my heart is connected to God and the Holy Spirit. And nothing's going to come in the way of that. I encourage you, pray in tongues. If you don't have the gift, ask God for it. And receive it by faith and don't overcomplicate it. So that was the first key, prayer. The second key is the Bible. This is so amazing. It is so imperative that we have a healthy, consistent life in the Bible. Go to Psalm 1. Is this helping anybody in Psalm? So the Bible is so important. The Bible gives us the language for prayer. One of the the greatest fuels to my prayer life is the Bible. Because I'm literally given language to pray to God. Right? And what does the Bible do? It connects us to the heart, mind, and will of God. And this is so important. Because part of having a tender heart is learning to love what God loves and hate what God hates. So important. And I I remember many years ago when I was young and and everybody was praying for the ending of abortion and all these things. And I remember just one day, I just realized, I kind of, I just, I wasn't bothered by these things. I was just kind of dull. My heart was just like, eh. I knew it was wrong. I knew theologically it was wrong. I knew morally it was wrong. But the, I lost that. I, I didn't feel what God felt. And so I, oftentimes when I lose that about things, and especially in our culture where we're so desensitized to things happening, I want to go back to the Bible. I want to go back to what the Lord says. And I say, Lord, I want to feel the way you feel about things. I want to feel the way you feel about all these mass shootings. I want to feel the way you feel about divorce or about abortion. I want to feel the way that you feel. Unlock your word to me and give me revelation unto how you feel and then cause my heart to be united to yours. I mean, this is so powerful and it's so, this is why being in the Bible is so important. It'll do something to your heart. Now here's the thing. Don't just read it, you know, your two, three little chapters, do your check mark and go on your merry way. 
No, no. You need to let the Bible disciple the way you think. That's right. And disciple the way you feel. I love it. Uh, Ezekiel and John both said that they ate the scroll. They ate it. They consumed it. And then the word became a part of their very DNA. That's my heart. I don't want to just read verses. I want to encounter Jesus through the Bible. I want to just look at a a quick psalm. It's a powerful one. I was meditating on it on the way to L.A. Verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scroll. Look at this. Verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. That's right. Literally, he's saying he finds pleasure in the Bible. The Bible brings him joy in the same way that a movie does. The Bible brings him delight. Now let me give you good news. If you don't feel that way about the Bible, most people feel the same way. It's okay. You can ask God to help you enjoy the Bible. Amen. Just ask him. So Lord, I get a little bored when I read this. And when it's, when it's 6 a.m. and you're reading through Leviticus, it's tough. But Lord, you said I could delight in this. Empower, and I ask the Holy Spirit every time I read, hey, let this be the life. That, that every word on this page be more to me than a million dollars. Be more to me than the sweetest things. And, and if you're genuine, God will change your heart. And you will begin to actually find <coughs> pleasure in the Bible. But look at what he says. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. So now we have Paul saying, don't stop praying. And David saying, don't stop meditating on the Bible. And the word meditate there literally means to recite out loud, to murmur under your breath the scriptures. And what is it? It's, it's a call to simply not disengage from God. That's right. Just don't disengage. Yeah. Whether you're praying or you're praying the scriptures or you're thinking about it and you're walking around an airport or wherever you are, you just you have a verse in your mind. You're like, okay, <clears throat> if I walk in this, just do this. It's just, it's just simple. Spirit, I'm not going to fulfill the desires of the flesh. If I choose the Holy Spirit, I'm not going to choose the flesh. Lord, how do I choose? You just do that. Just like that in your mind. And you begin to play this out and you recite it. And your heart is soft and it's tender and you're more apt to obey God than disobey. It's just that simple. But again, don't just, you know, do your two little three chapters. Go deep in this. Guys, this is God's word. You know how many mysteries are here? How many secrets? The more I read the book of Hebrews, the more confused I am. The more exhilarated I am. Oh, God, you confuse me. You're awesome. All right, the third one. This is a good one. You're going to love this one. Fasting. (laughs) Guys, fasting is powerful. It's absolutely powerful. I'm telling you, if you need, like, pressure washing of your house, like, if you need a quick, like, like a sponge is not going to do it, go and fast. Let me tell you something. We don't fast to manipulate God. We don't fast to convince God. In fact, we don't fast to change God. We fast to change us. That's what fasting is all about. Fasting is all about tenderizing the heart. Fasting is all about opening the eyes and the ears of the heart so we can see better. That's what it does. Fasting doesn't move God. It moves us. It brings our hearts into alignment and agreement with God. And, and, And this is important. Um, what was important? It was so important, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, what is it? What, what is fasting? It's denying yourself legitimate earthly pleasures in pursuit or in, in a more focused pursuit of heavenly eternal pleasures. That's all it is. It's taking a season to say, Lord, maybe you're getting a little distracted. Maybe you're getting a little burdened by things. Or you're, you're, it's tough to focus. You take a season whether it's a day or three days or 40 days, whatever it is, do it wisely and don't just be silly. But you do it and you just take the time to say, Lord, I just want to tell you and to tell my heart, I'd rather have you than food. Or I'd rather have you than movies. Or I'd rather have you than music. Or I'd rather have you than social media. And it's all it is. You're just, it, it, it's discipling your heart and it's telling your heart that you would rather have him than anything else. Fasting is absolutely powerful. And you look at any of the great healing revivalists and the great men that walked in healing power, all of them were men of fasting and prayer. Because fasting is like jet fuel to your prayer life to connect you to the heavenly realm. Amen? Amen. Two more. These are the ones I'm really excited about and then we'll close. The fourth one is repentance and confession of sin. Repentance and confession of sin. Let's look at a few verses here real quick. 
James chapter 5. The first book of the Bible I ever read when I got saved. Good book. The book of Jacob. There's chains to James in the 611 text of the book of Jacob. Verse, chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your trespasses. Now let me just say something. He's not talking to unbelievers. Sometimes we think, well, I'm saved. I don't have to confess my sin. But you absolutely do because you're saved and you're still being saved. Salvation is still a process that's happening in your life. Now what is repentance? It's not saying that Jesus' blood on the cross doesn't have the power. It's, it's simply saying there are moments in my life where I still have to break out of agreement with sin. That's all it is. Okay, I, I'm out of alignment here. I need to turn back around. And, then, and, and you don't do that passively. You don't repent from sin by accident or passively. If there's a conscious decision where the Holy Spirit convicts you and you realize that what you're doing is grieving the Lord, so we repent. It literally means to turn your mind. But the Bible doesn't just say to repent. It also says it's important and vital that you confess it to someone. Yeah. So important. Now let me say this. Don't just confess it to like little Billy that's like, oh man. No, confess it to someone that's going to follow up with you a week later. And that's going to text you and say, hey, are you still, is this, how are you doing in this area of your life? Are you, are you walking in victory? Do we need to pray? Do you, do you, do you need a bathroom? My friends, you know, you're struggling with this. Maybe you should go to fast. Maybe you need to go after the Lord. It's so important. So again, James is speaking to born-again Christians that have been washed by the blood. They have the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, listen, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And that verse that we love to use is actually not talking about healing from sickness. It's talking about the healing of sin. He said, look, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man of those much. So sometimes the temptation is this. We get into the sin management mode. I'm doing things, okay, I'm just going to get it right with God, and we're just going to work on this together. And the Lord is, and I'll tell you a story. There's a, there's a great man of God, I won't tell you his name. He was, uh, he was, he lived very unhealthy. He was overweight, lived unhealthy, and got really sick, and he asked the Lord to heal him. And the Lord says, I can't heal you until you change your diet. And he said, Lord, why? And the Lord says, I won't bend my loss for you. So the Lord told him, I won't bend my loss for you. You don't want to partner with me, and I can't either. It's the same thing. If you want to get free from sin, it's not just enough to go say, Lord, I'm sorry. The Lord said, no, 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 no. Go tell someone else. There's something powerful yeah. about confessing your sins. <clears throat> and I'll tell you, as someone that's in public ministry and you get a little bit of recognition or a name, nothing will bring you back down to earth like confessing sin. It's powerful and it's necessary. And it's biblical. If you want to be free from the control of sin, confess it. This is what he's saying. Because what happens when you confess it now, the enemy's been exposed. Because when you don't confess it, it's not yours and God's secret. It's yours and the enemy's secret. And he has total permission to accuse you and to bring guilt and to bring shame into your life. Friends, I'm telling you, there's something powerful about when you confess sin and your friend says, let's pray. He prays for you. Then he says, okay. There's something powerful about hearing, okay, you're forgiven, and you receive forgiveness, and now it's not a secret. Now there's no more place for the enemy to come in and torment you. It's out in the open, and it can be killed. I heard a preacher say it like this one time, you cannot overcome or have victory over that which you will not engage with. It's a powerful thing. I, don't, I want to confess that thing and move on. And we have that with our brother-in-law, we're struggling with text one another, we follow each other up, and now its voice is deflated in my life. Let's look at another verse. Go to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John, powerful book of the Bible. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. If we say that, again, he's writing to Christians. He's writing to the church. He's not writing to little Billy. He's writing to you, Billy. He's writing to he's writing to the church. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And what he's not saying that you're a sinner. He's saying that if you walk around thinking as though you don't stumble, you don't struggle, and you don't still need to partner with God, and there's not areas of your life where you need victory, you deceive yourself. He says, no, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So this is what it is. He says, listen, 
confess that thing and repent. This is so absolutely <coughs> important as a believer to keep your heart tender is to confess your sin and to repent. And the last one, we'll end with this one, is forgiveness. Is forgiveness. And this is one all the time people are still so, I'm going to end with this, just give me two more minutes. People are so hung up on it. We live in this lie of culture that tells us it's okay to walk around bitters. It's okay to walk around hateful with word hurts and, and things like that. Let's go to a verse real quick, Colossians chapter 3. Verse 13. So this is what he says. Uh, well, let's start at verse 12. Colossians chapter 3. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. This isn't just an option. This isn't if they deserve it. This is forgiving one another. Even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. This is a powerful thing. Said, listen, it's not just, it's not fake forgiveness. It's not just forgiveness in title. It's the same power, the same depth that Jesus offers forgiveness, we're commanded to forgive. Amen. And I'm telling you, more and more, one of the number one reasons people don't have tender hearts is because they don't forgive. It's so important. And Jesus even warned of this. He says, listen, in, in, in the last days, the love of many, they're going to grow cold. They're going to become bitter. And yeah, we're going to walk around right. looking for any excuse to hold grudges or any excuse to, 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 to not forgive. And, and I'm going to tell you, Jesus gives an incredible warning. He says, if you don't forgive, you cannot be forgiven. That's a scary thing. Because last time I checked, you couldn't be saved without forgiveness. This is a scary thing. This is serious. Unforgiveness. Is, 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 a, is a, you're to jump on the keys if you want more. It's a dangerous epidemic. Let me say a few things about forgiveness as we close. Number one, we don't forgive because people deserve it. It's never about deserve. My, 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 my friend Jason says it's so powerful. Forgiveness has nothing to do with whether or not the person deserves it. We forgive because we want to see it again. That's why we forgive. See, for, unforgiveness blinds the heart. Unforgiveness causes love to grow cold. And even if it's little, then we, 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 these little rocks begin to gather. That what happens is this land that was once beautiful and fertile in soil is now hardened. And it's so powerful. It's so powerful. I'll tell you this. Eight, seven out of ten times that I cast a demon out of someone or I pray for deliverance, it's usually because the unforgiveness has taken such a deep root that they've literally now invited something else to take over their lives. So forgiveness is, is important. We forgive ourselves. We forgive those that wrong us. And I went with this. It's a whole other message I really want to do one day. But some, some of us, sometimes, we need to forgive God. We never talk about that. But a lot of us, sometimes, we have our bitterness, our resentment, or our frustration is with the Lord because sometimes we're frustrated or we're disappointed in God because life just didn't happen quite the way we thought it should have. And I don't see all your promises. And Lord, you, 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 you let so-and-so die, or this happened, and that happened. And, and we kind of just, we, we ignore it and we move on. But some of us, if we're honest, we need to forgive the Lord. We need to forgive the Lord for disillusionment. We need to forgive the Lord for disappointments. We need to forgive the Lord for things not working out in our lives the way that we wish they did. So forgiveness is powerful, guys. God cares about your heart because he wants you to see him. Why? Is it powerful? Because if you can see him, then you can become like him. You become transformed into his image. Let's stand to our feet. Let's I just want to do something. I, I, want, to, I want to pray over us this morning. I want you just right where you are, just close your eyes for a second. Just before the Lord. And just search out your heart. There's so many things we covered today. But I want you just to search out your heart right now. Let, come on, let, let's walk in the Spirit. Just right now, with the Holy Spirit, we give you permission to just search out our hearts. Every little area, every little thing that we allow or we don't allow, every little thing, we give you permission, Holy Spirit. Lord, we say this morning that we want tender hearts. 
I want soft heart. I want the sort of heart that forgives the way that you forgive. And that loves the way that you love. I want the sort of heart that's not easily offended. I want the sort of heart that's ready to forgive Peter two days, three days later. I want the sort of heart, God, that can hear even the slightest little whisper. I want a heart that can grow beautiful fruit trees. So Lord, here we are as your people, and we say, we yield and submit to your leadership, Holy Spirit. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to ask the Lord to do a few things. And, and, and you're just going to respond in your seat. Just you and the Lord. Because there's different things. Here's what it is. Lord, if we're watching or listening or thinking about things that grieve you and that hinder tenderness of heart, reveal it right now and give us the grace to lay it down. Just you and the Lord. If the Lord brings something up, don't overthink it. Just say, okay, Lord, I don't need it certain thoughts you're having movies or whatever whatever it is or maybe you're just you're, you're overly anxious about money the Lord says be anxious for nothing says, no 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 that's not your job that's my job too. I'm your provider yes. you gather I provide yes. so whatever it is it's like the Holy Spirit Lord whatever it is we're yes. thinking about too much we're worried about maybe it's myself or whatever now Holy Spirit for those of us that were struggling to pray we're struggling to be in the Word. We want to go harder after you. We want fiery hearts. Would you help us? Give us a desire to pray. God, would you make us a people of Psalm 1? That we would delight in your law. That we would meditate on it day and night. That we might be trees planted by rivers of living water. Whose leaves do not wither. Who bear fruit in their season. And whatever we put our hands to prosper. Right now. Come on, if you need God to give you delight and a joy in the Bible asking for it right now. I said, God, touch my heart. Help me love the Bible the way David did. I want a, God, I want, a, I want a Psalm 119 kind of life. That your Bible, that your word would be more to me than riches and gold. God, give me the, the grace to get up in the morning and pray. And Father, right now, would you begin to release grace for fasting? God, the right kind of fasting. Would you give grace to, to take seasons to say, Lord, I'm more hungry for you than movies. I'm more hungry for you than I am for food. I'm more hungry for you than anything else. Lord, God, would you, would you, that we would take it serious, the tenderness of our hearts. And Lord, right now, if there's unrepentant sin in our life, if there's things that we're trying to hide and mask, would yes. you help us confess it? Give us the courage to go to a brother. If you're a man, go to a man. If you're a woman, go to a woman. So go to a brother or a sister and confess our sin and repent. Would you give us the courage to be accountable? Because I would rather be free than keep up some image. Give us the grace Lord, to forgive up, to, to walk in repentance and confession. And right now, Holy Spirit, if there's anybody here that needs to forgive someone, give them the grace to forgive right now real forgiveness. When I no longer look at them by their issue, will we look at them the way you do, God? Just right now, if God's bringing up someone, just begin, just begin to release forgiveness. And if it's difficult, ask the Lord, help me do this. I want to forgive them. I want to want to. Help me. Help me, Lord. If you need to forgive yourself, just begin to release forgiveness. <clears throat> and Lord, for those that are disillusioned with you, are bitter with you, Discipline. Would you give them the grace even to, to forgive you? And really, it's just because sometimes we want to be in control. Help us give up control. Would you make us a people, a tender-hearted people? Tender-hearted, Lord. I don't want to lose the tenderness of my heart. I don't want to lose my sensitivity to yeah. I don't want to become yeah. blinded Lord, by my circumstances. Jesus name. It's a good word and a good reminder, isn't it? You now when uh, Jose was preaching, <clears throat> I was just reminded of something that was said to me before coming to high school teacher and also before becoming a pastor. 
was make sure that you keep a soft heart but thick skin. That's hard. Thick skin, you're not offended by people say about you, but then also a soft heart that you're able to be compassionate and love on people. So Lord, as Jose prayed, let us have soft hearts. Let us even have thick skins knowing who we are in you. How does it happen? But knowing that I'm a son or a daughter of the Most High God, that you're his favorite, and I'm also his favorite. And we have your inheritance. Every good and perfect gift comes from you. As a reminder, we have a cafe downstairs. You guys would like some fellowship time. Have a wonderful week. We'll be here this Wednesday with Heart of David, but also feel free to just stay in the presence of the Lord for a while up here if you'd like. Have a wonderful week. Hope to see you downstairs.